Ahoy! And welcome to the Sea Captain Way podcast with Phil Bender and Greg Patton, where we help listeners navigate the uncharted waters, personal and professional growth. The Sea Captain Way is about energizing top performers to take on risks and push beyond their comfort zone to pursue life-changing goals and achieve peak performance. We're going to help you build your vision by showing you how to break free of boundaries that are holding you back. So Phil, today we're excited to welcome Coach Brian Smith to the Sea Captain Way podcast. Brian is going into his 25th year as the head coach of the University of Missouri wrestling team. He's the 2022 Big 12 Coach of the Year. Brian has also coached 29 All-Americans, six Tigers to nine national championships, two Olympians, and won 12 straight conference championships. With a 746 career winning percentage, he's the winningest coach in program history. Welcome, Brian. Great to be here. Excited. Yeah, Brian, good to have you. Welcome to Sea Captain uh, Coaching Podcast, Sea Captain Way. Just a couple things. It was great meeting you recently when I was in town. Enjoyed the connection and and felt a I don't know a bit of a brotherhood from the very beginning. Just uh, listening to you tell stories, and in fact, I just wanted to make make you aware up front that I do have two years of eligibility <laughs> left. So if you need somebody at about about two fifty five, um, I could put a hefty bag on. I could get probably down to two forty if I needed to, and uh, and so uh, yeah, I'll definitely keep that in my hip pocket just in case. Yeah. You just keep me posted. My problem, I well, no, I'm not going into it. But my problem is when I wrestled, I was stood on my back a little too much. (laughs) So, uh, but it's good to spend time with you. Yeah. So, Brian, you're not only the winningest coach in the Mizzou wrestling program history. You're the longest tenured coach at the University of Missouri as you start your 25th season this year. In 1998, you took an unranked program and turned it into a national powerhouse. I read an article about you that said the program needed significant reform even beyond the mat when you started. And this included things like addressing the fact the athletes weren't prioritizing things like going to class. So after three or four years of hard work, the program was noticeably different. And part of your legends is that you implemented a philosophy and a mindset for your team members that you called Tiger style. Can you explain how this became a cornerstone of the turning point of turning the program around? Yeah, it's, you know, I knew when I got the job there, there had to be changes because to be successful in anything you do in life, you got to do all the little things right in everything you do. And at that point, when I took over the program, didn't prioritize the importance of going to class, doing the little things right, you Mm -hmm. know, even from their lifestyle uh, away from, you know, from the practice room. It just, there was fighting. There was, you know, they were just in the bars. It was that type, mm-hmm. type, of, type of thing going on. And I just had to change it. And a lot of times when you come in and you make that change, a lot of people don't see eye to eye. And actually that first year I had 18 quit the team wow. and I didn't mm-hmm. have to dismiss people. I just said, here's where our standards are going to move to and it's going to change. And The only rules I really have are go to class and go to your tutors. And if they weren't coming to practice, they obviously didn't want to wrestle. But from that point, it was just I knew we could achieve those small things by going to class. That would be in a I knew we weren't going to beat Oklahoma State and Oklahoma in the early years, but we could accomplish other things. And it was simple things like taking the stairs, Mm -hmm. not cutting the corner when you're warming up. We have the circles in the wrestling room and you can't cut the circles. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that's silly little things. but It develops a mentality of, you know, we're not cutting corners Mm -hmm. and keeping a locker room clean 
how to be respectful when former guys come back. I would, I always introduce people when they come into the room and the importance that these are alumni and we wear ties on, you know, on road trips. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, they'll, they'll see the other teams in sweats. How come we can't? I said, every time you've sat on a plane, you've been offered either a card from a business guy for an interview, or you had a great discussion and people are thanking you when they get off the flight because they perceive you in a different way and they get to know you then because their first perception is good and why not have that so mm -hmm. it's changing a culture and once we got where they started to see the importance of that hard work became a part of the program and then of course talent started to come and mm -hmm. we started to improve and get better and more talent attracted better talent and by the fourth year we went from a losing record to i think that fourth year we went 18 and 3 we had wow. this expectation to win and everything. The GPA bumped way up. The kids were doing it right. Uh, we're now, you know, and leadership is a big part of our program. I want my guys to take on leadership roles in everything. And that's a part of Tiger Style, mm -hmm. that having my, not only just my staff, but the team taking part in leadership on campus, leadership in the athletic department. And we've had, we've had a lot of presidents and vice presidents of SAC the student athlete advisory committee. It's just, that is a big, and the administration knows it and recognizes it that, you know, what we're doing here is, I think it's something special and it's, it's not easy. Yeah. It's a, it's not an easy thing to get kids at 18 to 22 year olds to come in and say, you're not going to live what you see on blue chips and these movies that perceive college. When you get here, it's not, but we go through that in the recruiting process. Yeah. We, it, it's, you know, their junior year, we're sending them all sorts of graphics with pictures of former guys and what Tiger style means to them. We're talking that to them about what it is to believe, mm -hmm. what it is to compete in everything in life, and what it is to give one mores. And, and that's all the pillars of Tiger style. And we go through that. So by the time they get here, they can rattle it off and understand it and know it and are ready to live it. Mm -hmm. oh, that's been, yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, just a great example of core values at, uh, in motion in so many wonderful ways. Coach, you and I have uh, one big thing in common, and, uh, and that is that our fathers coached us in youth sports. In fact, my dad is uh, in the St. Louis Amateur Baseball Hall of Fame, 40 years of youth work, never took a paycheck, just uh, did that type of work. And he used to teach me when I was a catcher that I was always the person who faced the rest of the team. And if I wasn't hustling, if I wasn't running down the first baseline or I wasn't uh, running, you know, blocking pitches, running after uh, balls that might get by me or whatnot, that I was, uh, the team noticed everything that I did. It was a great leadership lesson to me. And I know you had that similar, similar piece yeah. that influenced you. You always dreamed to be, had a dream of being a coach. You were offered um, a part-time assistant coaching position at Cornell. While you were making that decision about whether or not to accept that position, you spoke with your dad. What was that conversation like? Well, he, he was always my mentor, and he was a high school football coach and AD and was also a teacher. So I just, I always wanted to do that. So I was doing that already for two years down in Fort Lauderdale, and it just bought a brand new house. So uh, it, was a, it was not an easy decision because I had this brand new house. Our team had taken fourth and second in the state. The program was doing great that I took over. And so I had all these young kids that were looking forward to coming up and being coached and being a part of this program. But my dad pulled me aside and said, when 
he was offered some jobs in college when he was coaching in high school. He had already had two kids, my older sister and I, and it was just a little more difficult at that time because pay wasn't that great in college either. And he was set in the New York system. We were living in New York and it just got to a point where it was not affordable, where he's like, you're not married right now. You've only been in a high school job for two years. You have to take risk if you want to achieve great things. And he said, everybody's telling you it's crazy. You're not going to get benefits. You're making money down here as a teacher, but you go up there and you're not happy with it or it doesn't work out. You come back, you'll be offered five or six high school jobs. So the risk isn't that big of a deal, but the rewards could be great. And he was right. I go on and take the job at Cornell. Within uh, the, the second year I'm at Cornell, the head coach took the job at Oklahoma and I became the head assistant at Cornell. And four years later, I was the head coach of Syracuse. And, and then a year later, I'm the head coach of Mizzou. So it, it fell into place. I never expected to be a head coach in the Division One level. I always wanted to coach high school, which is crazy because I just yeah. thought that was what my dad did and I wanted to follow. But by him making that push and saying, you know, he had buddies that coached in the NFL and were very successful. And he kind of looked back and said, man, I wish I would have taken that risk. Don't don't turn it down. Yeah. What a gift. What a gift as it turned out. Right. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, Phil, awesome. Phil, you're all about uh, the you're why the one you're a big proponent of encouraging people, including me, to take risks in business and in life. I am not a natural born risk taker, but Phil has kind of pushed me, given me opportunities to stretch, and uh, it has worked out well. I know that from my experience. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, and even today with kids, it's when they graduate, when I call them kids, but they're graduating and they're like, oh, I just don't know if I want to take a job in this town or this live in this city. And I'm like, what's, it's not going to be your, probably your first job is not going to be your last job mm -hmm. that challenge yourself, go to a place where, you know, if people don't want to take it, it's sometimes when I was taking the Mizzou job, it was one of the worst jobs in the country. They were actually talking about dropping the program. It was so bad. Oh wow! And yet I was able to, I and many other, my assistants and other people on staff, we changed the culture and now it's one of the most successful programs at Mizzou. And so when you view what a place is at right now, whether it's a job or what, you know, a career or whatever it may be, don't look at it where it's at right now. Look at where it can go. Uh -huh. And I saw Mizzou in the Big 12 and the potential it had, the states that surround it besides Missouri having good wrestling. There's so much potential. So many times people view Wow, you know, Mizzou's in the SEC. How are they going to compete with Alabama in football? Or, you know, or our company's a small company. It's never going to compete with the big company. You can't view it that way. Worry about what you can control, which is your company, and make it the best. Make it the best it can be, and people will notice. Yeah, Greg, I always talk about designing the environment so you have to perform, right? You do. And, yep. But it starts with a visionary mindset. And even when you're putting your organizational structure together, always put it together, assuming that it's five years from now and yes. hold out open spots for leadership so that they can aspire to these new places. Just a great example, Coach, of um, how that plays out. Yeah. So Coach Phil's coaching includes helping his clients put foundational elements in place to achieve peak performance. Um, and Sea Captain Coaching has a proprietary diagnostic tool it uses with its clients that measures key metrics for performance based on personal and organizational goals. So I've learned that in your view, more than almost any other sport, that wrestling allows athletes to accomplish 
what they put into it. How do you emphasize and deliver on this point with the athletes and your team who are willing to put in the hard work and dedication required? It isn't just, it's an individual sport. So when you walk out onto the circle, yes, it's all the preparation you put in, but you have to make your guys aware that your trainer, your strength coach, your assistant coaches, your head coach, your academic advice, all those people make your life better and help you achieve great things because they're putting time into you. But you can do the base amount or you can put the extra in. Mm -hmm. And that's where a culture guides behavior and tiger style guides behavior. And so if you believe and believe is the first level that you can be an All-American or a national champion, then you have to then say, I believe that. So here's the what I'm going to do to achieve it. And that's the competition part. That's the second level of Tiger Style. Then you have to compete at it. And so competing at it is what are you doing to work every day? What are you doing a little bit extra? What are you doing to live your lifestyle that, you know, with your diet, with your sleep, everything to make you the great, you know, the the best possible mm-hmm. version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so it's getting people to buy into that culture. And then the other big part, big part of it is the one more that we have in Tiger Style, which is every day you should be performing one mores. And really one mores is more about servant leadership and doing something for somebody else on your team, helping a teammate that had a bad day or a coach making that extra recruiting call or whatever it may be. If everybody in the program is doing one mores and it becomes about making ourselves better and that growth mentality, we become an unbelievable program because people are working for each other and doing things for each other to make each other better. And so when you believe you compete and you give the one more, everybody in the program walks out into that circle and expects to win. Yeah, that caught my ear like a catch. I wrote that down. You mentioned, you said one more at the beginning of the the program here, and I made a note because I I love the the spirit of it. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it sounds a lot like one degree shift, doesn't it, uh, Greg? Yeah. Uh, Which is one of the things that we preach, right? Yeah. You know, because the program coach needed a lot of improvement when you arrived, you took a lot of short steps over a long period of time to elevate it. At Sea Captain Coaching, we call this the one degree shift, interestingly Mm -hmm. enough. I know that you devoted a lot of your efforts to identifying recruiting up and coming wrestlers who were a good fit for the culture you're recruiting and moving on from players that didn't want to be there. You mentioned that a little bit earlier. What are some of the common traits of the type of athletes you do like to recruit? How do you recruit against national powerhouses like uh, Penn State and Iowa? Well, you have to know your identity. You know, I sit with my staff and I'm saying, what is the Tiger style recruit? And so we made a list of things. So we have a list. So if you're on the list, you know, at the, where our program is now, we've been, I think it's seven straight years in the top 10 in the country. So that's, we're an elite program now. And we're trying to knock off a Penn State. That's a, one of the elite programs. So that's our goal. We've been right behind them. We got to work to get elevated to get to that level now. So now our ceiling's a little bit closer than when I started. And so the first thing is if you're on our list, it means you've placed at national tournaments and you're already an elite wrestler. So to be on that list, you're already pretty darn good as a wrestler. But then there's some other key factors that we look at. The next one being academics. And I know this sounds different than maybe what football and all that, because football and basketball have full rides, where in a sport like wrestling, you have 9.9 scholarships. I have 40 guys on my team. Hmm. You do the math. It's not that much scholarship per guy if you're breaking it up. And, and so if we can find the elite athlete that is smart, they get an academic award and 
I think this year we had like 350,000 spent on scholarship and 340,000 in academic award. So we can up the value and get kids to come in and not have to take loans out and things like that if we find that we're getting better students. And we found through the years as we've progressed and elevated the program and grown it, the better the people, the better the program. So we're looking for great people. And so with that, we make phone calls to teachers, not the coaches. We'll, we'll sometimes call the rival coach and the rival coach will tell you about the kid. He's a great kid or that, or he's a jerk and he's a, a punk. And, the, and you find things out that you wouldn't, you know, every coach that is the kid's coach is going to tell you he's the best thing since sliced bread. Right. But when you go and ask the rival or you go ask the English teacher at the school, how is he as a student? You're going to hear some truth from them because they're like, why is he calling me? But it's to find out the type of person they are. And, and the other important thing to us, once we have that, do they believe in tiger style? Mm-hmm. Do they believe in the culture? And we're talking to them on the phone and saying that we usually lead the athletic department and community service. We do things. We want to win the tiger cup, which is the best team athletically, academically, socially, you know, throughout the community with community service. It's all these categories and they crown the team every year. We've been a top three team for the last decade. And so if kids are like, well, I just want to wrestle. I don't want to deal with that. Then they don't fit our culture. So if they fit our culture, that's really important. And I think a lot of times you talk, you're talking to companies, people are looking for the superstar where we want the person that really wants to be here. And they engage in our conversation about Tiger Style and are really, uh, wow, I want to learn more about that. I like this. I want to be a part of that. I'll be successful if I'm a part of a culture like that. So. If they believe in Tiger style and, and then the other key element to having a successful team is having people that want to be great teammates. Mm-hmm. And if they're a great teammate, Keegan O'Toole, who just won the national title last year as a freshman, when I went to watch him his senior year, he was winning a match in the state semifinals, which he was supposed to. He's pinning the guy and he's looking over on the other mat to watch his teammate who wasn't supposed to win pull an upset <laughs> off in the semis. Oh, and that's going to hurt. He's trying to raise his arm. He's trying to raise his arm. He didn't care. He ran over to the mat to hug his teammate because he was so excited for his teammate. And I remember taking a picture of that, sending it to my coaches, and they said, this kid's going to be special. He's already a special wrestler, but he's an amazing teammate. Nice. And that's when your team elevates, when there's people in the program that care about the things like that instead of just themselves. And so those are the things we look for in our recruits and we've had a lot of success with it. And they're not always the best of the best, but you find a person that is not the five-star, but the three-star that believes in those things. They can, I think it was in one Super Bowl, they talked about there wasn't one five-star recruit in the Super Bowl. There were all two and three-star NFL guys. And that's, that sometimes you got to have those these intangibles and look at it, that that's your identity. That's going to make you successful. Ah, I love that. Yeah, me too. And uh, I have, it's kind of a follow-up to that coach and you, you maybe already kind of answered it, but I mentioned we, Phil and I have a good friend who's a Mizzou alum, but he's a university of Iowa season ticket holder, 30 years. So he's all about risk. So I told him I was going to talk to you and asked him, you know, what his thoughts were. And he said, Brian Smith has a reputation for bringing in kids who are not top recruits and turning them into champions. So Sea Captain Coaching launched a program called Growing Team Talent, and it focuses on helping clients develop action plans and strategies 
designed to achieve dynamic growth toward personal and professional goals. And part of this process is identifying what Phil calls growth blockers or growth gravity or whatever, Phil. Yeah, gravitational pull or pattern familiars. Yeah, yeah. So how do you develop your athletes to help them realize their the kids with this potential to help them realize it? Oh, it's a lot of things. I mean, we, you know, it's, it starts with getting them to buy in and understand what tiger style the culture is and the, the little behaviors that we and the expectations that we have. We read tons of books. I have a library. I'm looking up at it with hundreds of books and we read a book every year, but I have guys come in constantly coach, we're flying this weekend. I want to get a book. What do you think I should read? And I'll say, well, what do you want? Well, I want to read something that'll motivate me or build my confidence. And I have all sorts of books like that. And so that's an important part that we're learning. And I tell them that the best CEOs that I've ever worked for or gotten to know are all avid readers and are wanting to learn. So having a growth mentality is more than just, I want to get on the mat and get better, become brighter in everything you do. And you'll grow and become a better person. And you'll have, I, I see it, they become better wrestlers that reading books on, you know, John Gordon books mm-hmm. or reading books mm-hmm. about, you know, John Wooden and, and things like that. They're learning about what makes success. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's an important part of it. We have mental Mondays where we buy, I think I bought 35 cent notebooks and I looked at some of the notebooks. Every guy has a notebook in the room. Every Monday we have a discussion on a different topic. Uh, yesterday it was just, you know, what did you learn at the tournament? A lot of guys won that we had five win the tournament, but we brought 22 guys. So 22 guys had a loss or didn't do the best that they thought they could do. And so it was, what did you think you could do better? How, and what's the plan you're going to go through? So we're constantly writing in it. When we run our sprints on different days and they're timed on it, they're writing their times in it. Everything's about how can I make a growth and get better? It's also a culture. When you put people in a culture like that, I always say, I could take a kid and put them in and, you know, I coached at the Ivies. If you put a kid in an Ivy League type school in grade school, even if he may have been positioned to say, oh, I don't know if he's smart enough to be in that. If you put him around that surrounding, he's probably going to grow up smarter than if he was just selected to just go into the lesser classroom. Mm -hmm. And so when you, I tell guys, when you come here, you may not be elite when you come in. But you, you have an opportunity to be elite when you lead yeah. if you follow the course and do the things. So it's just a lot of things that we do through learning, leadership, becoming great leaders. I want my guys to be leaders. Mm-hmm. All those things make a difference. And, and if you choose to live the lifestyle right. So a lot of times I'm looking at the chair across the way right here. If a kid's sitting in that chair and I'm talking to him because he's done something in, you know that isn't up to standard in Tiger style, that's all I ask him do you think you're living tiger style right now? And he's like, no, I just, I made bad decisions and they know it. They know where they should be. So I, and I, I don't rip them. I just say, well, what can you do? What are you going to do to change it? And they usually go through a list. And so the other thing is the language our team uses. A lot of times a kid will have a bad day and he'll say, man, I really stunk at my or They'll say suck or something like that. I stunk <laughs> at my single leg and it, I just was awful today. And I'm like, stop. What'd you do right today? And they start talking and I'm like, all right, so you struggled with your single or whatever, but what can you do to make it better? Instead of saying, telling your mind, you suck at it or you're no good at it. What can I do to be better at it? And I even have to do that with my national champ that he'll get, he's so hard on himself, but I'm like, but 
what are you going to do? So change your language. He's like, well, I got to work on my single leg. It wasn't the best today. So I got to get to here. And the language they choose to use will help them become better because they're using a positive mindset. If you want to have a growth mindset in a program, the, the language you're using as a coach, your language, your team, your trainer, everybody has to be the correct uh, language. I'm in, Greg. <laughs> When's ben, when can Bender suit up? Yeah, he hooked me. <laughs> he hooked me right there. I love it. The, uh, one of the core tenets, Coach, of Sea uh, Captain Coaching is CEO mindset. Okay, this includes understanding the importance of the team dynamic, role clarity in your in your uh, company, and effective communications. All the things that you've been addressing. I tell my clients: in order to be a leader, you have to be able to delegate effectively and trust others to get thing do- things done. Who are the best candidates to work as assistants on your coaching staff? My dad actually taught me this and he's like, hire people that want to be leaders and head coaches. So when I'm looking for an assistant coach, I'll ask a guy and say, do you want to be a head coach? And if they're like, well, I'm just not sure. Well, then they're why would you be in the business if you didn't want to be the best? It would be like recruiting an athlete and saying, oh, I just want to be on the team, but I don't want to be the best. Right. Well, get the people that want to be the best. So I talk to guys and a lot of, I, I have a lot of success with getting head assistant coaches because they're seeing people move on to be head coaches. And I, I say part of the National Wrestling Coaches Association, they have a leadership academy and I work with assistant coaches and I just want to give back. But from learning in that, I learned from them. I want to have guys that want to be head coaches because I want to learn from them. I want to find guys that are striving to be the best. I learned a lesson when I was coaching at at Cornell because I was in charge of the managers filming the matches and the girls messed up the matches somehow. And so, of course, I got ripped in the meeting that, that, you know, the matches were ending too early on the old videotape. It erased the last takedown or something. So I had to write all this stuff on the camera, explain to the girls but the, the, I remember the head coach pointing at me and saying, Brian, you got to treat the program like you're the head coach. Would you treat it differently? And I was, I remember going home that night and those words just resonated in my head. And I'm like, treat the program like I'm the head coach. Well, man. So the next morning I went in and I said, Jack, here's the thing. I think we should have a strength program. We have no strength program. And I think we should have this. And these are some of the things I think we should do. If you, if you were thinking of obviously the head coach, I would add these things. So of course, you know, Jack, he goes, you're the new strength coach. Cause we didn't have strength. Coach. <laughs> he goes, you're the new strength coach. Go with it. Yeah. But he made me realize that don't wait to do something. Yeah, Find right. a way to get something done. And if you have ideas, share it. And I tell that to my coaches constantly. Don't leave it bottled up like, man, I don't like the way we're doing something. Bring it to me. Yeah. And I may, I may say, Phil, that was the dumbest idea I've ever heard. I'm not doing that. But at least they'll, I want them to have the forthright to come forward and say, coach, I think we should change. I think we're, the guys are worn down. I think we should pull back. Whatever. I want them to feel like they trust me. And that's an important thing. To You talk about communication. People communicate yeah. better when they trust that my response is going to be that I'm not going to just say that was the dumbest idea. You always have the dumb ideas. And of course, you wouldn't come to me that I I like your idea. I understand. But right now, here's what I'm trying to do. And I'll communicate. And and so mm-hmm. that's important. Having people that want to be leaders yeah. and having people that have trust in you that, man, we can work together as a team. And that's, you know, the eventual head coach at Cornell that I worked under for four years. He's the head coach of Stanford now, Rob Cole. 
always said, we're like co-head coaches. Even though I'm the title of the head coach, let's work this together as co-head coaches and make it great. I love it. You know, Greg, I we probably think we got maybe room for one more. Sure. Yeah, I did wanted to ask you, Coach, you told a great story to us last week, and you ran into another University of Missouri coaching legend, Gary Pinkle, who was just inducted into the National Football Foundation College Football Hall of Fame. And while you were waiting, you shared war stories and your viewpoints about coaching from your respective experiences uh, in wrestling and football. You mentioned that your son was with you, and afterwards he said, man, I wish somebody was recording that. So uh, I told him, I'm like, why didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Right. It was was just so much. It was just really cool because we were just ourselves and we were talking about our joy for coaching, the things he didn't miss because he had just retired a few years before that. But afterwards, it made me think that, man, we just shared more time than we did the 14 years he was here and I was here with him. We didn't have that much time to share. We always Uh felt like we're too busy. And one of the things I've, I've decided to do as a Missouri head coach that I've been here a long time is to take the, an extra responsibility. And I always tell coaches, so I've met with Coach Golan and I've met with the Larissa, the head softball coach. I just talked to the uh, um, track team, men's and women's track team. I want to share knowledge. And I talked to the SAC, the Student Athlete Advisory Committee. I can't be too busy for the, for the product that we have. I just had a student... Uh, a, a student athlete come up from the uh, swim team and she's like, I'm on the sack. You said you have a library. What book do you have for me? I, w- I feel like there's so many great people working that we can't be stuck in silos yeah. that I want other student athletes to come up here and say, coach, I'm having trouble with this. Uh, coach, my head coach said to come and see you. And I want to feel the trust that I could do that and send somebody to see coach Drinkowitz over at football. Mm-hmm. Coach Drink has dealt with this before. Maybe you should go talk with him. Because there's there's a lot of knowledge and experience in this building, yet I feel like we get encamped in our different sports and we don't share that knowledge Mm -hmm. that I love to go to head coaches meetings where we're all discussing and learning from each other. And our new AD, Desiree, has done a great job with that, with sharing ideas and and doing, you know, and getting us to speak during the meetings instead of being spoken to. A lot of times people think leadership is to tell you what to do and you go do it. No, it's getting people involved. And, and so that's something after that discussion with Pinkle, I'm like, I got to do more. And so I've made it a, a concerted effort to do that, that I'm going to help in any way I can because I want Mizzou to win in everything. Yeah. I love the, that you're a student of your craft. I love your story about your life. I've only ever heard of one other coach that had a library like you have, and that was watching 60 Minutes about... 15 years ago, it was Bill Belichick. That was something he had in his office and he wanted to show. His book is great. Okay. He has a great book out there. Okay. It's called, I'm looking at it right now, Belichick. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, as as we wrap today, maybe give us a a couple of uh, season thoughts you have, but also maybe a vision for the future. What, uh, what comes to mind when you think about the future of Missouri wrestling, some of the legacy elements that uh, you think about, we'll, we'll wrap with that. Well, I mean, for people that are leaders, I, I, I always say this to coaches that you're dealing, your product is the person. So in, in a business to be successful, it's the relationship that you have with your people that are running the company, you know, that are doing the work that always remember that everything you, what you're going to say to them is so important and how you say it to them. And I talked about that earlier, but it's, I've talked to some of my former wrestlers and they'll say, coach, you told me something 
20 years ago that has resonated with me that, you know, you said I could achieve this and I worked at it and I did it. And, or even if they didn't do it, but you got me to a level I thought I never could get to. And that meant the world to me. And you had told me that a few times and I don't even remember it, but they do. So how you speak to people is so important. And a few years ago, it was probably more than a few, you know, there was a time where I may have been looked at by some other schools to leave Mizzou. And I remember my brother saying something to me that you've put in 15, 16 years at Mizzou and all the young men that you've impacted in their lives and been a part of their lives and the families and you you go even deeper. And he goes, there's something to a legacy. And when he started to bring up all those things that you may, you could go take another job and it's new and this and that, but the legacy of this is you, you've run this program. You know, they say like a family tiger style is a culture of people and it doesn't end in five years. It goes on that you'll lose some of that if you leave. And, and it definitely impacted me that I'm here now 25 years and love it. And it's not just Mizzou wrestling. It's a whole athletic department. It's the, on campus, I've become friends with so many people that are professors and leadership, you know, Jim Spain, the vice provost, these people that are, you know, we all respect each other for what we do. And I'm a part of the, and three of my kids now are going to graduate from Mizzou. So we are a Mizzou family. So there is, that's the legacy. You know, I, my ultimate goal would be to win a national title. Is it going to define who I am as a coach? No, but man, I'm going to work my ass off to try and do it. I want to be, I know it's like 1967 was the last national championship team at Mizzou. And we've been close. We've been third. We've been fourth. We've been fifth a few times. We've yeah. been so close. So that's our goal is to try and achieve that and have fun doing it and you know, trying to achieve it. So, but I, I get my most joy now from emails that I receive from guys on how they're still living tiger style. I go to weddings. I get invited to a lot of weddings, camp outs and things with the team, you know, the former guys and just how close they all are. There's just still very close that I know culture is such an important part of success because I see how it's carried on into the future, 15, 20 years out and how they're still best of friends, still living it and doing it right. And that's what tiger style is all about. Uh, what a what a great visit, uh, Coach. I just want to thank you uh, on behalf of Greg and I. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you right away, I'll be the first in line to invest in the statue out front uh, <laughs> when uh, when you were lionized um, or ti- or tigerized, I guess I yeah, should call it. Right. But uh, it was a, just an absolute pleasure. What a great uh, message. And all of our listeners are just so going to appreciate uh, the message. I wish you nothing but the best and look forward to uh, seeing you next time on the Columbia. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Coach. All right. Bye now. You take care. Thanks, Coach. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Sea Captain Way podcast. If you found the conversation valuable, please like, share, and post a review on your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Sea Captain Coaching and how you can start taking advantage of our purpose-driven coaching guidance, visit us at seacaptaincoaching.com and get the Sea Captain view on navigating uncharted waters of growth. The link is in the show notes. You can also follow us at Sea Captain Coaching on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Wishing you fair winds and a following sea on your journey.